Welcome to the next in a series of Ask a Chair podcasts brought to you by SAEM Rams. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Amanda Ventura. I am one of the residents at the University of Cincinnati. I am here with Dr. Christopher Miller, the current chairman of University Hospitals, affiliated with Case Western Medical Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Dr. Miller, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you again, Amanda. Excellent. Um, Well, then let's get started. So our first question, your military commitments early in your career required several transitions. Um, You completed residency at Cincinnati, spent some time in Virginia, and then were back in Cincinnati for about a decade before heading up to Cleveland. Tell us about how all of these moves affected your career. Were they based on opportunities? Are they opportunities that were presented to you or opportunities that you made for yourself? That's a good question. I'm going to answer it in kind of a couple of parts. Anyone who's worn the uniform understands that transitions and moves are part of the service. And every time that we moved, there was an opportunity. You may not have known exactly what that opportunity was when you uh, transitioned, so to speak, but I was very lucky in the couple of moves that myself and our family made to have outstanding men and women by my side who taught me, led me, coached me, mentored me, and probably at the end of the day, the, the thing that happened for me that was probably the most beneficial was becoming comfortable with change whether that change was professional, uh, personal, you name it, it just didn't hit you like a ton of bricks when it happened. And so fast forward, I think you asked about opportunities. Anywhere you go, any role you're asked to play, there's an inherent opportunity. We all make our opportunities. In medicine, though, if you reflect on, gee whiz, we didn't get to choose our medical school necessarily. We didn't get to choose our residency necessarily. Mm And as we transition into our professional life, sometimes we may not get to choose the administrative or collateral responsibility that adjuncts our clinical responsibilities as young faculty. So you kind of have to learn how to make your own opportunity and, and identify mentors who can shepherd you through the spectrum that is easy to difficult. Anytime you, as a young faculty member, are thinking about a change. I think there's some things that I learned that might be useful. You and I know each other, so I I can share with you that, that things like what opportunity is going to allow me to become the best version of myself. Medicine is a team sport, so if I'm thinking about a transition, am I going to be a valuable member of that team? But probably more importantly, as you seek opportunity, am I going to make that team The other is the concept of mastery, autonomy, and purpose. So change should not just happen for change's sake, but as you seek professional growth, being able to become a master at something, being afforded the opportunity to be autonomous in that mastery, but knowing you are contributing to a greater purpose always adds value to the proposition. I think ultimately in medicine, we tend to sometimes fear change unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. But if we really kind of reflect and figure out what's good for us would be good for the department, which is good for our hospital, which is good for our system, those are the things. And every good plan is derived from a great strategy. So you have to think about these things in totality over the course of your career. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your service as well, by the way. Thank you. 
Well, at Cincinnati, we all knew and loved you as our medical director, and now you've made the That's transition. <laughs> you've made the transition to chair um, up in Cleveland. What is the biggest difference between these two jobs? What's been the biggest adjustment? That's a tough question. I think between the two gigs, you know, medical director is a journey. And as the saying goes, there's a sucker born every minute, and it's the job that nobody wants but everybody needs. And it is a powerful opportunity. It teaches you a ton of things. It focuses on process, on performance, on collaboration, on educating extra departmental colleagues about what we do, how we do it, and what's important for the patient. But when you divorce that job from even my role as vice chair for clinical performance and operations there and escalate it to the chair role, I would say there's three things. It's all about the money. And I'm winking and smiling at Amanda because <laughs> it's, that's kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek comment, but where I'm going with that is it's the finances of a department. Mm -hmm. And in my role, the finances of a system are vastly different and far more fire hose-ish, so to speak, than what you're exposed to as a medical director of a mm -hmm. single site. And in this day and age with kind of where healthcare is going and a lot of the in purgatory, where are we, how are we going to get reimbursed, what's happening mm -hmm. all across the country, the, the financial acumen is all the more important. The second one is human resources. Dr. Brian Zink puts on an outstanding chair development program through mm -hmm. AACEM and SAM. And that course is a year-long course. And, and when I took it, I said, in my head, I was like, gee whiz, we're spending a lot of time on <laughs> HR. Rightfully so. In the medical director role, you deal with colleagues. Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity to talk about things like peer review and interpersonal communication, patient experience. But you don't have the scope that you have from an HR domain like you do as a chair. And then finally, I would say scale. The scale economy of chair roles in 2018 often doesn't involve one department. It often doesn't involve one site. Mm -hmm. You have hybrid community academic shops. You have your main campus shop. You have community without academic shops, all of which fall under your umbrella and your oversight. And that is, that is a scale economy that far exceeds that of what a medical director and or a vice chair who focuses on operations does on their day-to-day -day roles and responsibilities. You mentioned that your role as medical director is all about the process. What was one of your, or if not your, proudest achievement in your tenure as medical director? Not getting fired? No. Um, <laughs> that's a really hard question. That wasn't on my list. Um, I think that... I was really proud of the fact that, that with great mentors like Greg Furman and John Deletta, and I don't want to exclude anybody by naming names, so forgive me, but we were able to, to slug away and chip away at a decades-long issue with things like as much as people kind of chastised the metric left without being seen. Mm -hmm. We had some great wins with inpatient boarding and, as you know, observation medicine. Mm -hmm. And so... It really wasn't one thing in particular. It was a, an amalgam of, of all of the performance improvements because mm -hmm. we did it together as a team. We did it with residents, right? 
all of it put together was, was wonderful. If I had to single out one thing, it would be probably that residents, when they finished their four years, would come up to me and say, I learned so much about operations, mm-hmm. air quotes, but operations mm-hmm. from your team. And that made me feel good. Excellent. You've touched on some of the topics that are common and hot topics in busy urban emergency departments today, boarding being one of them. But how in a busy urban ED do you balance education and the need to continue to see patients and move them through the department and even the system as a whole? Work harder, work faster is probably not the answer you're looking for. But I would say, quite honestly, one of the fundamental tenets, if you are going to become involved with medical direction or clinical operations at an academic site or a community site with an academic lean. Every decision you make has to involve, if not the residents, the residency leadership. Because every element of the process from patient arrival to patient disposition and care transition almost always has a ripple effect on the residents. What their governance structure of it, whether you have a pod or a select area of beds, mm-hmm. who they see, how they see them. So it's a collaborative decision. None of the things that involve performance improvement or process improvement from an operational perspective should be made in a silo that does not engage the educational arm mm-hmm. of the department. That said, there are certain things that we need to learn when we're residents. You need to have an immersive experience in the high-velocity area of the emergency department, whatever any one particular shop may call it, be it super track, fast track, fast care, etc. Because more and more oversight of that is important. You have to have an immersive experience in taking care of the sickest of the sick. How does that look and feel within the emergency department? When the communication lines are open with the operational arm and the educational arm, process improvements can be made that are win-wins for both. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're there to educate you, educate ourselves, and do what's right for the patient. You design a plan with those things in mind and you'll win. Excellent. What can residents and even junior faculty interested in admin do to position themselves for a medical director position or some sort of other leadership position in the emergency department? That's a good question. There's a buzzword that runs around the administrative circles these days that, you know, like a lot of buzzwords, just tend to lose a little bit of its shine, but it's called engage. That's one way of putting it. Another is to collaborate. Another is to seek out someone within the operational realm to provide you coaching and mentoring. But at the end of the day, you're busy, you're tired, you have lots of other things to do. Mm-hmm. Pick something, anything. What makes you angry at the end of a shift? <laughs> what frustrates you about the job? When you take care of a patient, what thing, fill in the blank, could be better? How could we do this better? Even the smallest of things can have profound impact. So I think I would take your time. I would be patient. Get to know your system first Mm -hmm. through the first 12 to 18 months of residency. Ask to come to meetings that you think may be of interest of you. And sample from the buffet because operations touches everything. Mm -hmm. And then decide. Decide if you want to actually do a performance improvement project. Do you want to actually take something from start to finish? Do you want to refine something? And just do it. 
Talk to your assistant medical directors, talk to your medical director, talk to your vice chair, talk to your programmatic leadership. There's always something. Even the smallest projects can just be huge wins for the residents. You've seen it. You picked one. Yep. So you, you understand that some a very small question can actually turn into a really big thing. What I would encourage you, not you, the colloquial you, is to not get frustrated. Sometimes the pace of play of change can be a little bit slower than what we would like to see when it comes to changing process or optimizing process. So don't be in a hurry. Understand that it may take time and understand that as you engage with, with, your, with your mentors, that your idea may not come to fruition until a year after you graduate, but that's okay. That's absolutely okay. One thing I would encourage anyone listening, when you design a performance improvement plan, do it with the concept of sharing it with the world in mind. Mm -hmm. And I say that deliberately because there is scholarly productivity inherent to all of it. Mm -hmm. And some of the biggest mistakes that I made along the way was just doing things and not taking the time to, to write them up and think about them. Mm-hmm. But that's a valuable lesson, lesson to learn. But if you're going to do a project, the last thing I'll say on this is you've got to be all in. 100% all in through the good parts, through the bad parts, mm-hmm. through the frustration, and through the joy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, because that's what the guts of the job is. Along the same lines, um, talking about development in residents and early faculty, what would you say are the pros and cons of an administration fellowship for someone who is thinking about a career path similar to yours? Now, this is an interesting question. I suspect you would get a number of answers. If you asked five people today, you may get five different answers and Mm -hmm. three and a half that are similar. There are a couple of ways to approach this. An administrative fellowship offers people the opportunity to take their time. It offers a young, recent graduate the chance to examine process, understand what it's like to run an effective meeting, Mm -hmm. become visible within their respective house of medicine, develop relationships, cultivate collaboration, and put a face to the department name as well as themselves. Those are all good things. It also affords someone the chance to become a bit more trained, Mm -hmm. didactically, so to speak, in an arm of, of advanced kind of educational programmatic themes, whether it's informatics, statistics, operational effectiveness, all the way up to MHAs and MBAs. There's kind of a fun little tete-a-tete between those that get MBAs and those that don't. I think both have absolute wonderful value. It just sort of depends on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself going? How do you want to get there? An MBA may not be for everyone, but an administrative fellowship with a focus on a track that is operational effectiveness centric with the Mm -hmm. courses that give you the formal training inherent to that element may be exactly what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. One to two years. The trade-off is time. The Mm trade-off, let's be honest, is a little bit of money. But what I think it affords people is the chance to develop some fundamentals, get some building blocks, at the risk of the sports analogy, learn how to block and tackle and, and execute the fundamentals of the game. Mm-hmm. And it is, let's be honest, a little bit of a, of a game, and that's not to be pejorative because at the end of the day we're taking care of patients, but anyone who's 
tried to collaborate outside mm-hmm. of their department knows that you have to play a little bit of politics. That's really? just the honest to God answer. So I'm not answering your question. I think the pros are education, opportunity, learning how to how to play in the house of medicine and develop at an appropriate pace the building blocks. The con is figuring out which track really fits you. Mm-hmm. The con is perhaps delaying some financial income and delaying potentially finding the place where you want to go because not everywhere has them. Mm-hmm. But if you circle it all the way back around to the question you asked me originally, as you move and matriculate through residency, a good plan is derived from a great strategy. If you think you want to become involved in operations, seek out the place that might provide you the skill set that you that capitalizes on your particular strengths mm-hmm. and be comfortable with potentially transitioning to that place and then to another. And that's okay. That's very common. You've seen it in friends of ours. I've seen it in colleagues of mine, and it's worked out wonderfully for them. Mm-hmm. So pros and cons. Any last piece of advice or words of wisdom for the medical students and residents that are listening? There's a saying that I have that you may recall, and it's there's a grasshopper in all of us, and finding the place for you where you can flourish and be the best version of you is important. So ask the hard questions. Work hard, but don't kill yourself. Be on time. Be polite. Treat everybody the same. And then you'll see what the grasshopper in you can really become. But don't fear change and just have fun. It's the greatest job in the world. It really is. Thank you so much, sir. It's been a pleasure to see you and talk to you again. And I'm sure that all the medical students and residents really appreciate your time as well. Thank you for having me.